Hi, I'm Jamie Chadwick, and you're listening to the Everything F1 podcast. This is the Everything F1 podcast. Today, we review the Hungarian Grand Prix and we give you a sneak peek at our interviews with Jamie Chadwick and Matt Bishop. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Today alongside me from the Everything F1 team, we've got Danny. How you doing, Danny? You okay? Yeah, all good. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. We've got some good interviews to uh, talk about, but we'll tell you all about those in a little bit. Um, and we've also got Coops alongside me today. How you doing, Coops? Yeah, can't complain. All good. Good. And last but not least, we've got Sean. How you doing, Sean? Very well. How's things? Yeah, great. So we are Everything F1. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We've got a Discord server, and we're at the handle at JoinEF1. We've also got our website, www.everythingf1.com, and you are listening to us on the podcast. So if you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button and get all of our latest podcasts uh, directly into your podcasting service. What we would also like you to do is give us a five-star review from whatever service that you do uh, listen to us on. If you do give us a five-star review, we'll give you a shout-out on the next podcast. So we thank you in advance. Okay, this week we're going to be talking about the Hungarian Grand Prix and our thoughts on the weekend. So I'm going to shoot over to you, Coops, first. Can you kind of give us a three-line review of the Hungarian Grand Prix? Uh, No, I can't. (laughs) <laughs> you can't contain it within three or you just can't uh, remember no I can't contain it no <laughs> okay right let me try it okay so Otas forgets how to drive a car a lot uh, Ocon wins his first race and Alonso returned to being one of the best drivers we've seen in Formula how's that sounds good sounds good like a good a good review do you agree sean have you got a, a, a better three lines or a different three lines that you would like to say i have four lines but i think you'll forgive me for it go for they're it they're nice and simple alpine superb aston stupid mercedes blessed with luck and george is finally in the points way and we can't we can't uh, leave that untouched today because it is something we've been waiting for for a long time especially mm. on this uh, this podcast itself uh, and danny any extra three lines that you want to give us for uh, your review of the weekend? Uh, watch out, Bottas about, and okay. stroll. <laughs> <laughs> the torpedoes themselves. The torpedoes themselves. We yeah. will get into that then as we review the Hungarian Grand Prix. Okay. So the Hungarian Grand Prix is at the Hungara Ring. The length of the track is 4.381 kilometres. The race, total race distance 306.63 kilometres. And we had 70 laps. And the lap record was done by Lewis Hamilton, which was 1 minute 16.627 seconds. The first Grand Prix was in 1986. And let's just discuss what happened during the race. So we can't go anywhere without first announcing that Esteban Ocon won his first Grand Prix. 
Now I'm going to go to you, um, Coops, for this one. What were your What were your thoughts when when you saw that kind of headline, really, uh, and while you were watching the race of Esteban Ocon being on the on the podium on the top step? I was happy, but a bit surprised. Uh, it's not a it's not a secret that I wasn't a big fan of him. Mm. Uh, this is why I went to you first, you see. It's, yes. your, your your previous slightings of him. Yeah, but then you know that was last year. I just didn't, I just didn't like him. It's something about him. It's a bit like Sponge, and his disdain for uh, Max Verstappen. <laughs> uh, you know, but then you know, this year he's quietly got on about his business. He had a bit of a wobble. He signed his contract and decided that was him. He was going to chill out for a bit. Mm. You know, and you know what? I can't kind of begrudge it. He was, I mean, it wasn't like he, he got to front and drove away. He had to battle for it and, you know, it was an all-round team game. So, yeah, can't begrudge it. Why not? You're nodding your head, Sean. What were your thoughts on the Ocon win? Um, it's not much of a secret. I've long thought Esteban Ocon is a disgracefully underrated driver. I know he's had a bit of a tough season, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Mercedes have always seen something in him and clearly so did Renault Alpine. Um, mm-hmm. Fernando Alonso has done nothing but talk him up all season um, and to my mind anyway people dislike him because Max Verstappen doesn't like him and be- lots of people are Max Verstappen fans so lots of people aren't Esteban Ocon fans because of that right, gaffe yeah. in Brazil which was probably Max's fault but we'll not go back there um, <laughs> but uh, no I thought it was an absolutely brilliant drive um, he's not he's no you know it's, it's not the first time he's ever won a race he was the GP2 champion or Formula 2 champion so um, you know he he's 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 got pedigree. He knows how to how to lead the pack. But to do mm-hmm. it against a four time world champion um, is especially impressive. And they had that moment with some traffic that you know I think Esteban finally had to get the the elbows out and he fended him off. He had a bit of help from Fernando, obviously going back to his absolute best form. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit more detail. But uh, no, yeah. I, I I was. Absolutely pelting out the Marseillaise on the podium as well. I was delighted. <laughs> as you can see, the French flag in my background here. I did used to live in France. Special connection to France myself. So very, very happy to to see Esteban on the podium, on the top step of the podium. Brilliant. Yes, it, it was. It, it was nice to see someone different uh, from 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 um, the impartial uh, fan, which I'm clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, uh, obviously we, we talked about Ocon, but uh, uh, Sean did mention Sebastian Vettel in that uh, sentence in, in his uh, speech a moment ago. He had a great race. He was fortunate with the, obviously how things happened at the start, but he was pushing Ocon. Uh, and if Ocon did make any kind of mistakes, uh, Sebastian Vettel would have been on it and absolutely would have tried to get on that top step. Yeah, um, I mean, we're all Vettel fans, aren't we? Uh, you, you struggle not to be a Vettel fan, I think. Of late, it's, of uh, late, nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nowadays, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're let's t- not go we're back. Talking, yeah. We're talking the last six months no, here. No, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice Vettel, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, he's, uh, I mean, it, I think it fell down to um, the pit stop. I think his pit stop it was a second too slow. Mm. Um, if it hadn't have been, I think it could he, he could have took that first. I mean, once uh, Ocon came back out of the pit, it was very close mm. um, to the point I thought um, Seb was going to take him. But uh, again, Ocon shone. You know, he, he fended him off. 
um, which is no mean feat. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. it, he did really drive unbelievably, and to be able to to fight off Vettel constantly like that. And I mean, when he did come out the pits, that that um, that lap there was a constant battle, and then Vettel just dropped back. And to think, you know, this is from Ocon, um, who he's you know he's not shone. Let's you know. It, I don't think we've seen him shine any time recently. And then all of a sudden he's here. And then you think, whoa, well, well yeah, it was there. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So it was great to see. Um, you know, but yeah, Vettel just couldn't couldn't get past him. And then obviously in the end, it didn't really make any difference anyway. Unfortunately, because his wherever he finished didn't count. Yeah, let's talk about that then. So the team have obviously told him to uh, stop out on track because they knew he wasn't going to have enough fuel for a sample. Um, So he did have to stop uh, out on track. Um, And upon, obviously, the FIA doing their checks, they could only get 0.3 of a litre out of the the car, which means means that, unfortunately, even after all his hard work of the weekend, uh, Sebastian Vettel got disqualified, um, which disappointed probably about 99% of fans I'd say um, because it was really great to see him up on that podium celebrating with the champagne um, and his best mate Lewis Hamilton um, but yeah it, it just wasn't to mention it's worth adding the caveat that obviously the uh, Aston Martin cognizant F1 team have protested um, and the results of that has yet to come in. So uh, while we're recording this, so it might come out tomorrow when we're not, you know, when we release this, and we might be saying old, <laughs> repeating old news. But uh, at the moment, as the way it stands, when we're recording, unfortunately, that place has still been taken away from him. Um, I mean, what do we think of these rules, uh, Coops? It's these rules again, isn't it? These the FIA uh, kind of deciding the uh, finishing finishing uh, positions is that what we want after the race when they could probably do the tests they need on 0.3 liters of uh, fuel well it's the rules are the rules yeah they, they need to be there uh, mm-hmm. i mean there's a couple of wee caveats to the situation we've been so provisionally he's still he's still second because as you've touched on aston martin have they've they've issued a notice and intent to appeal. So they haven't appealed it. They've just said they're going to. They've got 96 hours in which to lodge the appeal. Mm-hmm. From the minute they've put the intent to appeal. And their reasoning for this is that Vettel had to stop the car because of a fuel pump problem, mm-hmm. which meant that when they were asked to provide the sample, when the FIA tried to take the sample, they could only get, as you say, 03 litres of fuel, they need one litre. They've said there's 1.4 litres of fuel in the engine, mm-hmm. but because of the fuel pump problem, they aren't able to get it out of the car. Right. So the FIA have said, well, you haven't given us the what you're supposed to give us, so you're disqualified. They're saying, but it's there. The FIA are saying, but we've not got it, so you breached the rules. Okay, so what what are you thinking? Do you, do you think the FIA are just going to say, well, yeah, the sample the sample hasn't been provided. You're not going to be able to provide it unless we take the engine apart and kind of scrape it off the inside of the engine itself. Uh, so right. it's probably going to end up being a disqualification anyway. Is that is that what you're yes. thinking? The problem is on the technical regulations, which I can't remember which one it is. I think it's like points. It's six point six point six or something. <laughs> 
it states that the sample has to be provided by conventional means. Now, right. basically what they can't do is what you've said. They can't take out... There's certain parts of the car that they have to remove to provide the sample, which are, is allowed, that's conventional, mm-hmm. but they're not allowed to go in and start taking things apart. And that's in the rules, and it's very much explicit. It basically says what I've just said. There's no ambiguity in it, that's it. So... Yes, okay, they're saying the fuel's there, mm-hmm. but they can't provide the fuel sample as dictated to in the technical regulation. They've broke the rule, mm. so, so they need to be disqualified. They're not going to get that place back. Is is your prediction so far? Obviously, well, we, we we can't well, say for certain because the you know these these sorts of things do occasionally well, come back uh, in in the ways that people haven't predicted. But from your best best guess, I don't see how they can. Unless there's other stuff that we are not privy to, which, you know, can happen. Mm-hmm. But going by what the rules say, what they've kind of said in their reasoning for the appeal, mm-hmm. I don't see how they could get it back or, or retain it as it is just now. Because there are, it's kind of, on another podcast I was listening to, they called the situation the Schrodinger's Vettel because he's, he's, he's second and he's not second. <laughs> he's you know it's good old Schrodinger the, so in the in the provisional slash final results he's second but it's provisional pending the outcome of the appeal so I don't know we uh, will see anyway uh, I want to talk about another thing from, from Vettel because he was yeah. uh, a well he was proudly showing his rainbow t-shirt on the uh, at the start of the race uh, during the um, national anthems uh, and he had obviously, in that sense, had gone against a, another one of the regulations, uh, and they obviously threatened uh, action against him. Um, but you know, he was standing up for what he believed in, uh, voicing his opinion on uh, on the on same sex uh, relationships, LGBTQ plus, and you know, we we all we all admire him for doing that. Uh, and after the race, he said. That if they can disqualify my disqualify me if they want, um, but I would have done it exact. I would have done it again, knowing the knowing the outcome of the race. Um, so yeah, fair play to him for uh, standing up for what he believes in. Hey, but you've got to put in. There's a, there's another slight caveat. It's my word of the day. Uh, <laughs> caveat or caveat? Caveat, not caveat. <laughs> caveat, caveat. That Russian, that, that Russian F1 driver, isn't it? Yeah, hi him. The, the original torpedo. <laughs> uh, so there was was there four drivers: Stroll, Sainz, Vettel, and there's one other that I can't remember. Were all reprimanded. Now they weren't all rep- They weren't. Vettel wasn't reprimanded because he wore the LGBTQ plus T-shirt. Uh, after the Breonna Taylor incident with Hamilton last year, FIA put in a rule that during the national anthem you're not allowed to you have to wear your team colours mm-hmm. and it's, it was a roundabout way to stop Hamilton using you know the the national anthem as a way to put things across and any driver not just Hamilton uh, so but mainly Hamilton Hamilton <laughs> yeah it was, his, it was his actions that instigated the change yeah so so basically what happened was they done that you know the the wee race is one moment Mm-hmm. They're all allowed to wear whatever they want to wear, and then when they're, there's a signal that signals like a, an alarm that signals to tell the driver they're going to do 
the national anthem. Taps off. And uh, and, the, and basically, you're supposed to have your <clears throat> you know your overalls on, the team wear on, and mm. Vettel and a few others didn't. The 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 other guys had the We Races one T-shirts on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vet by but you know I think Vettel regardless was always going to keep that T-shirt the way it was. He was yeah. he was he was taking it. But yes, there is a rule. They know what the rule is, and yeah, they got a reprimand. Doesn't mean anything. It was a slap in the wrist. Then he do that again, and we move on. It's Absolutely. not as big a deal as it sounded. No, but it's a, it is a big deal that he, he wore the T-shirt and kind of showed his support uh, to that community of maybe fans, community of people within Hungary, Hungary itself, obviously, that are going through their own issues and, yeah, vote, and, and votes and whatnot. Um, and the, to probably to, to kind of let the listeners know, the reason why he done it as well was uh, I think Hungary have passed some very anti-LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. uh, legislation recently. I don't know what they are. I, I will admit I haven't looked at them. It, it, the same issue flagged up during the the Euros when Germany, mm-hmm. when they were going to play Hungary, or there was uh, Hungary was playing in Germany. Yeah, they wanted to put their an alliance, an alliance. I can't pronounce it right. They wanted to light it up with the LGBTQ colours, which yeah. was stopped by UEFA because you know they don't want to put any political things in there. So it's something that's been brewing because of Hungary's political stance on that particular. Uh, uh, area of society. Yeah. Well, we applaud you, Vettel. Uh, you've done some great things this year, and we're all becoming to like you now. <laughs> I think most people, I think some people liked you anyway, but you, I think you're bringing more, even more people around, um, especially this one here, me, because uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of Vettel um, since the whole multi 21 said multi 20 so that so that that kind of tarred his uh, his name in my house um but you know this year he's become a, a whole new character and more power to him he's doing a great job okay let's move on um lewis hamilton came third um we we need to talk about his race he was probably well he had a great qualifying he qualified in on on the on in first um on the grid and then he got away from the, at the start from the carnage that was happening behind him. What can you say as a... I'm going to go to Sean, because <laughs> actually it's probably the best person to go to because he's not a Hamilton fan. So, Sean, because you're not a Hamilton fan, you're the best person to talk to about Hamilton, believe it or not. Okay. <laughs> because because, because you're gonna, you hopefully can give kind of both sides of the argument. Mm. What did you think of his race uh, yesterday? Um annoyingly yet again <laughs> i thought he was brilliant um <laughs> and i was watching um a guy watching youtube and he made a very very good point people say that you know hamilton gets the look of the draw and he's so damn lucky and how the hell does he always get so lucky and i made a point we were chatting earlier on that you know mercedes are now skating by on their luck whereas like red bull and ferrari are now going to have to take penalties because of mercedes crashing mm-hmm. out of the damn races but the fact of the matter is lewis hamilton gets lucky because he puts himself in the position to get lucky Absolutely, that's how it works. Valtteri Bottas was unbeatable all weekend until the moment it mattered in Q3, and then he couldn't pull it out of the bag yet again, <laughs> which meant that Lewis was on the pole position. Lewis was better in the rain anyway. He got a better getaway and avoided the carnage that Valtteri caused by being on, you know, the dirtier side of the track, which means he couldn't get off well. It was raining as well to add to that. Lewis got away better and got out of the carnage, and, you know, he got himself lucky. They nearly screwed it up by leaving him out there. <laughs> And they, well, they did, yeah, we, they did. We, we had Indianapolis flash flashbacks. <laughs> um, 
It was uh, the We Racers One slogan. He was, yeah. it, it was the, it was the literal <laughs> embodiment of the We Racers One. As um, they all came round, uh, he was the only one on the grid, uh, and the rest of the cars were in the pit lane. Did you find it funny the fact that he actually angled the car when there was nobody else? Yes. <laughs> 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 what did he try to do? Make sure that the the, the medical car didn't get the <laughs> <laughs> Um But uh, no, his his comeback from there was very good. I mean, the the rest of the grid caught him within half a lap, if even. Um, mm-hmm. So by the time he pitted, he was, uh, well, I, I won't say last because by that point, half the damn grid had retired, but he was yeah. the, the final car on the grid. Um, and I thought when they were two stopping him that they were being stupid because they put him on the hards and after 20 laps, he had munched them and he had mm. 40 laps to go or 35 laps to go. Yeah, yeah. I thought there's no way can he pull that off on mediums. Um, but the drying track helped. The cooling track helped. He wasn't pushing quite as hard. Um and but I I was I was very impressed with them. Um, Does that stick in your throat a little bit? <laughs> yes and no. I mean, yes because of the way it happened. Because mm. I'm I'm going to take my tinfoil hat off for this one. Valtteri didn't crash into the to land on purpose because he's the best one in the world. He couldn't possibly have if he was going to take Red Bull out, he'd have just hit the Red Bull, wouldn't he? Yes, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have tried to bumper car Lando into the Red Bull. No, exactly. Um, so we put the tinfoil hats down for that one. But uh, yes, yeah. Adam, if you're listening. <laughs> um, oh no, his his is firmly fixed on. It's screwed on. <laughs> Don't try and remove it. No, <laughs> that's not coming off. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's a bit annoying how they went about getting there, how he went about doing it, because obviously Red Bull, uh, Mercedes have now taken both championship leads. Mm-hmm. And we know how good Lewis has always been in the second half of the season. This is mm-hmm. 2016, seven, well, 2017, 18 against Vettel all over again, 14, 15 against Rosberg all over again. You know, he had a struggle in the first half of the year, just about closed the gap or overtook the gap going into the break and then ran away with it. Vettel did the exact same thing in 11 and 13. And I just fear now, and you even said it before that, you know, you want Lewis to win, but you want it to be a close fight and you won't necessarily yeah. mind if Max won it. You said that at the podcast. Mm-hmm. Record yeah. of that. <laughs> I, I still, I, that, yeah. I still stand by that. Yeah, I um, still stand by that. And even as a non-Lewis Hamilton fan, you know, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that he'll probably win it, but I don't want him to run away with it. I would like it mm. to be a, a, an all-out flight between the two of them in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, but I worry now that it won't be. He's going into the rest. Like Red Bull have so much work to do, mm. kind of through no fault of their own to come back from this. They're going to a yeah. track that will suit Mercedes down to the ground, even with Bottas out of position with that penalty. As Christian Horner said, you know, a five second, a five place penalty is a big penalty in somewhere like Hungary or mm-hmm. Monaco, where it's very difficult to overtake. But in Spa, yeah. in that Mercedes, even Valtteri is not the best overtaker in the world, should be able to breeze past probably Lando and Carlos and Charles to get yeah. back up to fourth or third. So it's mm-hmm. not that big a penalty for them, really. Um, and. You know, there's a lot we can talk about penalties. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But just to, to wrap up on Lewis, I was very impressed with how he went about it begrudgingly. Um, and I am more angry at Aston Martin for however they managed to screw up that uh, fuel sample thing, whether it was a pump yeah. leak or they told Vettel to push too hard for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, you know, Fernando it, did what he could to hold him off, didn't he? But no, yeah, all, let- all credit to Lewis. Let, let's talk about Alonso then, because Alonso probably was the person that made the race um, as interesting as it was, because he held Hamilton off for 
ages. I can't even remember how many laps he held him off for. Um, Danny, we'll go to you. Um, Alonso had a really good race. And without Alonso, I think Hamilton would have had, obviously, a lot more time to attack the front the first two drivers of uh, Sebastian Vettel and Ocon. Um, and actually, we, we know for a fact that without Alonso, you know, Ocon had an easier race. It, it, it has yeah. to be said. Yeah, massively. I mean, um, I'm going to repeat what I said when uh, for the after Silverstone. You know, it's great to see Alonso racing. Mm. You know, a, you know, really racing as well. You know, he's still got it. And you can hear the commentators, the fans, everybody's going, he's still got it. Wow! <laughs> wow! When he first came back, we're going, "Oh, come on! Like, why? You know, there's no need to come back. Just put somebody young in the seat. It's mm. it doesn't matter if he can provide racing like that. It's unbelievable. I mean, as much as we say, um, you know, he was he helped Ocon massively, but that's not what he was doing. He was racing for his position, you know. So and um, yeah, it was just brilliant. Mm. unbelievable to be able to hold Lewis Hamilton off and you know I'm not a huge Lewis Hamilton fan um, as a person but as a racer he is brilliant elite you know and to be able to hold him off the person who is um, just taking over at the minute is just unbelievable for that long yeah it's uh, brilliant and it gave us the probably the best racing we've seen in a long while um, it just re- it, it had eerily kind of similar kind of uh, feelings to uh, 2007 in some ways uh, than battling uh, against each other. Obviously, this turn they're in completely different teams. But um, it, it was just so good. It was just just really entertaining to watch. My, my girlfriend, who is new enough to Formula 1, she'll be watching for a couple of years, um, but he's becoming quite a big fan, was very sceptical about Alonso coming back because mm. no matter how much I rant and rave about how he's my favourite driver growing up and I'm always <laughs> been a fan of his, and 0506 mm. were just peerless years and he was unstoppable. She goes, mm. yeah, but I've never seen it. I don't really get it. After Hungary, she gets it. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He certainly did. He made that car about, I don't know, 12 foot wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was, it was was great, great to watch. And, and and I think even Lewis Hamilton really enjoyed it. Um, I think he mentioned something in his uh, Instagram stories, uh, in fact, about that. Um, we, we can't really go any further now without discussing that first corner incident of Valtteri Bottas. Obviously, I know, Sean, you did touch on uh, that when you were talking about Hamilton uh, and how he was he rided the, the he rode the wave of luck. Um, but Coops, yes, that incident in the first corner, stupid, wasn't it? But he muddled his, uh, his start, tried too hard to get up to the front again and just missed his breaking point. Um, when you miss a breaking point in a wet track, Mm. You lock your front wheels. You can't do anything but sit back, and probably swear in his dated tongue. <laughs> uh, so, in the, so the outcome of that was he hit Norris, who hit Verstappen, and then while they two were going off the track, he then hit Perez. Uh, while that was going on, Stroll decided to drive like I drive in Formula One and the PlayStation. Mm. Uh, completely decided <laughs> to miss the corner. He hit Leclerc, put Leclerc straight out of the, the, the race, put Stroll put himself out of the race and pretty much ended Ricardo's race. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we'd even finished the first lap, we lost Leclerc. We eventually lost Norris. We lost Bottas. We lost Perez. And Ricardo and Verstappen's races were pretty much done. That point, so yeah, 
he'd taken out Hamilton's main title uh, contender. Um, obviously, the tinfoil hat wearers were out in force as soon as it happened. Adam, you were one of them. You are listening because you edit the podcast. Um, but like you say, he was a passenger in that in that car, wasn't he? He couldn't steer out of the way. There's no way he would have preempted that sort of manoeuvre into a McLaren to take out a Red Bull. It's just too ridiculous to even think that. So He just made a mistake. Yeah. And the, he's, he's is, come out and apologised uh, about it. You know, he held his hands he, up. He, do, he doesn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't sound especially, um, you know, sorry about it, though. I feel like Valtteri this year, anytime he messes up, he's just like, ah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because I have to be. But, like, he still said sorry with a big smile on his face. That's because he knows he's, he's going to probably get a bonus because of it. Well, and he knows, that, you know, it's his last year in Formula One, so he'll either be on the podium or he'll bumper car his way through the race. Um, he just we don't know that yet. That's an un- unsubstantiated alleged, claims. Allegedly. allegedly, allegedly. But he he just doesn't seem to care, which is a bit of a shame because I like Valtteri and I'm kind of starting to dislike him more this year just because of his attitude. It's just eh, it's fine. It's grand. <laughs> Nobody died. I'll get, I'll get away. I'll get away with it. It'd be grand. <laughs> But it did. It certainly changed the shape of the race. I'm not going to say it ruined the race because actually we we had a fantastic race anyway, uh, just for a different reason. Um, but it didn't. It didn't allow obviously the whole Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton um, story to continue, um, did it, Coops? Uh, were, were you gutted to see that? No, because the minute that you saw Latifi in second place and Ocon driving away, and then Vettel in third. And Saints, who started 15th and, like, 4th, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this will be fun. Mm. Uh, <laughs> this is this is interesting. And then it made it even better, the, the restart, which we'll come on to, when Mercedes made another mistake. Mm. And the rest of the field could do what they needed to do. So, yeah, it, for, for, the, for about a lap, I was a bit like, oh, Hamilton's the only one out of the front runners that hasn't been hit by this, which is just his luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, so first is out with, like, who's going to get on the podium? This could look good. And then, of course, it developed differently. But, no, I wasn't overly fussed. I was just more like, oh, what the did he just do? And I'm analysing it. Like, what? The, the brakes, the middle one. Right, <laughs> <laughs> like... like They've only got two, Coop. It's the left one. <laughs> well, I, maybe he was that, going for the middle one. That, you know, that was the issue. Yeah, why, uh, the <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't drive in Formula 1. <laughs> now, you know, it showed in the replay that everybody was breaking but Bottas. Mm. You know, uh, so uh, it is what it is. He, he balls it up. Stro- I don't think Stroll's accident would have happened if it wasn't for Bottas doing what he did because I think mm. everything kind of concentrated together and Stroll went for what he thought was a gap but actually wasn't, it was a Ferrari. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, that is what it is. The fallout from all this is Perez's engine looks knackered. Verstappen's mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. engine, which they were trying to use from Silverstone, has a crack in it and Honda have said they're only going to use it as practice engine. So they're now on their third engine. And they're only allowed three. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so there's going to be got... some, so gonna have some uh, places uh, deducted, of, uh, you know, yes. five, five, five place grid penalties that we're going to see later on in the year, aren't we? Well, we're going to see penalties uh, for them too. Uh, I don't even think Mercedes are anywhere close to that. I'm not 100% sure where they're sitting at, but it's certainly not what 
But it is what it is. Uh, we haven't got loads of other people to talk about because obviously they all ended up at the corner of turn one. Um, so if you'd like to list, list list the ones that came off again, uh, Coops. So the, in the end up, we lost Bottas, Norris, Leclerc, Perez uh, and Stroll. Uh, they were the ones that were instantly out of the race. Mm-hmm. Perez lasted about half a lap and then his engine was cooked or something. Yeah. Uh, the the ra- uh, that was the that was later on mm-hmm. for the first corner. So then Norris Norris didn't come out for the restart. I think there was some issues with the suspension in the floor, so he was out. Yeah. Uh, the likes of Gasly got he got caught up in it. He had to let everybody by, so his race was ruined. Mazepin lasted a few laps, basically when they changed tires in the race because the Alfa Romeo decided to use his car as a bumper car pull and out the pits. And it, to be honest, I, I feel quite sorry for Mazepin because it wasn't his fault. He was coming in, a good chance to do some driving, and then out came an Alfa Romeo, which they came out and said it was a glitch. So the the, the using automated system, so the system went. It was red, then went to green, then went back to red. But of course, uh, Raikkonen saw the green and left, which he's supposed to do. And his rear wheel hit the front right of Mazepa and snapped the suspension. So pulled out of the housing or whatever. So we lost that. Uh, and who else did we lose? Was that it? I think there was only like 15 runners yeah. that classified. <clears throat> uh, so yeah. it was quite, quite a good amount of cars to come out. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about um, let's talk about Max Max Verstappen then. Uh, he's he's had a couple of races where he's just had a bad runner luck, um, and that's lost his lead of the championship. Um, we'll go to you, Sean. Um, were you disappointed that this happened? Were you looking forward to the the kind of Lewis versus Max in this race? Um, I, I think you'd be daft not to be. Um, but obviously, we we still got a good race from it. Uh, we got a good race for it. I would rather us not get a good race from stupidity like that, to be perfectly yeah. honest. I would rather a boring race rather than seven people get taken out by just dumb stupidity. But <laughs> great race. Take nothing away from Espa, knock on the likes. But anyway, um, yes, I was very disappointed that um, Max, you know, to silver someone, will not go back to it, but it was, you know, you can argue it either way, and everyone has argued it either way. And was it Max's fault? Was it his fault? Doesn't matter. This one was a million percent not Max's fault. Mm. Uh, there is no universe where this is anything other than Mercedes' fault. Not that it was intentional, but it was Mercedes' fault that Max scored two points pending that uh, you know appeal from uh, at, at least Martin. one point. But like one point, like th- there's damage limitation, and then there's you know finishing ahead of. A Haas and an Alfa Romeo and a very broken McLaren. But this was... I feel so bad for Max mm-hmm. because, you know, the runner races that we have coming up, with the exception of the Netherlands, I think he'll call a good amount back in the Netherlands. I can't see anything other than Max Verstappen absolutely dominating that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but Spa is unlikely to suit Red Bull. Um, no matter what they try, I, they, they have a high top speed, but how much can they really afford to trim off the wing for that like Mercedes tend to run quite high wing in yeah. Spa the last couple of years they probably will again this year so maybe they have a bit of a chance but I just still think that Mercedes will see it through 
Um, very high uh, like deg in, in, in Spa as well. And Mercedes just probably manage it a bit better. Um, fuel, it's just... It's going to be really tough for him to come back for this. Um, is there a... light? Is there light at the end of the tunnel because they've got the still got the fastest car on the grid? Is that right? Yes, um, there definitely is, and you know th- there are some races for them to look forward to, but there are a lot that have been taken off. Singapore, for example, would have been a shoe in for Max Verstappen pole and victory, I think. Um, mm. And obviously, we don't have that to come. But you know, Belgium and Italy are unlikely to favour them. Russia. Is Mercedes's favorite track in the whole world? Um, <laughs> Turkey might be a good one for them. Japan might be a good one for them. But again, Japan is not guaranteed to go through. US is a, is a is a Mercedes track. Mexico is a Mercedes track. Brazil is a Max track. But that's Saudi Arabia. We don't really know. And Abu Dhabi is a Mercedes track. So that's what three Red Bull maybe tracks. Two, mm. w- one of which might be removed. It's gonna be very tough for them to come, and and they will probably have an engine penalty at some point because there's no way can they do high speed tracks like Belgium. Italy, Russia, and the US and Mexico without taking another engine like that's it's more than half the season on one engine. It's not possible. So but this is this is Max Verstappen. He's the he is. It is, know, and one I, of the best drivers on the grid. Could could he be the one that that kind of breaks this duck? Even even though he's obviously you know you're saying they're they're Mercedes favorable tracks. Mm. It is Max Verstappen, and he's had a he's he's been much more mature this year. He's been much more controlled. He's got the highest speed car. Uh, Ab- yeah. Absolutely, and to put to put on my you know optimistic cap, um, like you said, it, it's Max Verstappen, and while the the car might not necessarily suit all those circuits, although we've seen them, you know, pull it out of the bag at circuits you wouldn't expect, like France this year. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a good chance Red Bull are developing their car. They've not been quite, they've not been trying to hide the fact that they are developing the car. Yep. Whereas Mercedes probably aren't. We don't really know how truthful Toto's being about that. Yeah. Um, but you know, Red Bull will develop the car, and you know, Max. If Max, if Max can, if Max can win, win Spa game back on because that's a huge gauntlet to throw down ahead of the Dutch and Italian Grand Prix and a run of you know Merck favourite Grand Prix but yeah if if anyone could do it it's definitely Max Verstappen okay well let's go over to Danny and why I wanted to speak to Danny about is probably what we speak to Danny about every week whenever he's on But I'm not going to leave it just to, just down to George Russell today. I want to speak to you about the whole of the Williams team. Now, obviously, they did benefit from some great luck um, due to what Valtteri Bottas, their future team leader, did for them. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> not confirmed. Complete uh, conjecture from me. I'm just joking. Um, but they had some great luck, and then they, they scored two two lots of points with both of their drivers um, coming in the top 10. And again, those places aren't confirmed yet due to the disqualification, but they're at least they're, they're at least seven, seventh and eighth, aren't they? Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely, yeah, brilliant. It was... Uh, <laughs> what more, Everybody... Well, I say everybody was cheering. I didn't dare speak about it, if I'm honest. <laughs> I didn't say a word. I was quiet because every time I do, something happens. <laughs> and we had that point where... <clears throat> when they came back out and, and George, he spoke about afterwards where he overtook everybody in the pit lane. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he said, um, they said, well, why did you do that? He said, well, why not? He said, this is a strange circumstances and I have no idea what the rules are here. Mm. He said, so I thought, well, I'll just do it. And he did. And then they went, give the positions back. But of course, we were sat at home going, not having a clue and we went, 
oh no <laughs> it's got no. an issue oh no not again yeah. yeah and we could just see the car slowing down and how many times have we seen that where you know he's, he's heading to points and then some suddenly something happens and i thought well i haven't said anything so i haven't cursed him this time so <laughs> and then uh and then yeah he brought they brought it home and um yeah just brilliant yeah and latifi to stay up where he was for so long as well you know, he really did drive the wheels off that car. He, yeah, was just really great. Yeah, there, there were two. You? Yeah, there were two instances in the in the in the race that I've got to talk about with the with the Williams and with George Russell, um, and obviously Nicholas Latifi. Um, that radio tra- transmission that where George said, "You know, do whatever you can. If you need to pit me, pit me. If you need me to do something, tell me what you need to do. I'll protect Nick Nicholas. Get him." the best possible points for the team. Yeah. And you know, do you know what? I, just, I felt a bit emotional to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had a tear in my eye through the whole thing. And at the end, definitely. It's uh, But yeah, it just goes to show what a great guy he is, though, isn't it? It's, uh, mm. you know, he's team- improving, but at the same time, he, that, uh, but that's what happens when you, uh, when you, growing up and developing in a team like Williams, mm. as much as you're not in a car that's up the top of the grid, you know, there's a difference between developing at a team like Red Bull. They deal with drivers a lot differently, as we know. You know, if you don't do well, you're out the door. <laughs> no matter, you know, you don't get long. Mm. Uh, Williams are, um, well, a family team was was what they are, you know, and they still seem to have that that aspect of being a family team. Um, and, and that's carried on. And you can just see the difference in drivers. It's the same at McLaren. You know, mm. you can see the difference in even Ricardo. Obviously, he was at Red Bull. You can see the difference in him. He may not be performing as well as he did then, um, it, it, as in grid position. But him as himself, even when he's struggling now, uh, you, you know, that you can see there's not as much pressure, if that makes sense. You know, you don't have... Uh, you don't have horner down your neck going you know one more race like this and you're gone so mm-hmm. you know whereas at places like mclaren and williams it's always constant up in you know it's it's constant um just pushing them on in a positive manner rather than negative in, instead you know so yeah and you and you can just tell um it's which is why really um i hope and as much as it's it probably won't happen but i hope that george ends up at mclaren and i've said it before i'd like to see it happen (laughs) because it's a similar team and a similar sort of family aspect to what he's used to and i think it'd be nice and comfortable for him there okay let's get back to the race sorry with a bit of slight tangent which we don't mind because it's all all valuable stuff um We saw how much it meant to to George at the end of the race when you see him in the in the in the uh, pits in the press pits, uh, and he's he's just crying. You know, it meant so much that he'd scored his point, um, but that Williams, more importantly, that Williams had obviously uh, scored two sets of two drivers in the points, and he was crying. You know, it was really emotional to see. What I want to also talk about, sorry, which is what I'd forgotten momentarily, but. Was that radio message that we just spoke about, him saying, you know, let me do that, was that a kind of a secretive, this is tinfoil hat stuff, hmm. was that kind of a secret message to Mercedes saying, I will be a team player, I am a team player, I can do, I can be the support driver, 
was it was it kind of like here you go Toto this is my application form for uh, second driver of the Mercedes team what do you think Goops no I think he done that because he knows he's already going to Mercedes <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's got no pressure so why would he you know he's got a very particular image not saying it's Baker or anything this is who he's always been he's always been very much the team player mm-hmm. you kind of have to be when you're in a team like Williams where they are uh, I don't think he needs to put any pressure on himself I think at some point during the three weeks that we've got before Spa the internet's going to go into a kind of meltdown because it's going to be confirmed that he's going to be in Mercedes and it's one of those allegedly <laughs> we're not breaking any news here we're this not, is not but, this has not been broken we have no yeah. inside information no but that you know that's the way i look at it i think that's how it's going to work out i think it's going to be a case of he's going i think total has been quietly trying to tell him you've got the seat don't worry about it i mean you look at how george russell performed at hungary you look at what bottas did at hungary and then now they've said that they're going to decide over the summer break. And you're only as good as your last race. Hmm. So, I, I, I think th- it's time for a change. I think Mercedes need to look to the future. Hamilton signed his last contract, I think. So Again, there's no there's no guarantees <laughs> to that, I don't <laughs> not, think. T- not according not, to not, Toto Wolff. Yeah, I'm going to say, not, not according to what Toto Wolff said. Um, so we will see. You can't can't keep giving guarantees like this, uh, Coops. Because it... it's not a guarantee. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in any po- in any podcast, it's an opinion, uh, <laughs> and it's always what I thought. You know, I think that he'll go after he's done his couple. I think once he gets eight, I think when he becomes the eighth eight time winner, I think that'll be him. Uh, I think he wants but... ten. You've always said that. Yeah, I've always <laughs> said that, and I do. Th- I, I I think I think he will want to cement that kind of you know statistically the goat for a very 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 long time mm. and i really hope we don't have another 10 <laughs> 10 time champion just because i you know even as a fan of well the whole sport and hamilton um uh, you know i like the guy um i don't want that the sport to have to go through these such long spells of one person dominating um but i don't think uh, i don't think george russell's going to get the mercedes seat Oh, I, I still, I still think Bottas has got that seat. That's my opinion. Anyway, for what, for, for what reason though? Because he's he's not the second anymore, is he? That's that's I think because we did have. I, I remember last year, you know, everybody did this. George is going to Mercedes. George is going to Mercedes. There you go. Bottas is gone. But the the, the thing there was, it was one two. Whereas Bottas is, isn't there anymore. Yeah, but no you one know, ca- no one cares about second place as long as as long as Valtteri Bottas is bringing enough points home for the constructors' championship, which he is doing mm. third, fourth. He's consistently high. He's he's yeah yeah. As long as he keeps crashing into Red Bulls, it's well, <laughs> it's not even that though. It, he's supporting Lewis Hamilton, and he's giving places up to Lewis Hamilton. He's moving the car to the side to let Lewis Hamilton go past. If Valtteri can be guaranteed a seat where he's Performing in the highest, you know, in the in the best possible car on the grid at the time, or one of the best possible cars on the grid, and he's bringing the, the constructors home. Mercedes don't care about the second place; they 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 want the the championship for the constructors, and they want the drivers drivers' championship. Second, who cares about second? How could you list all the second place drivers uh, of the last ten years? You probably couldn't. 
It, it, no one cares about the second well, place. Most of them are Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, I could and actually. Nico, yeah. And Nico Rosberg. <laughs> <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton. Well, yeah. But I, 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 actually, I actually agree with you. Like, I think they will give it to George, but logically they shouldn't. Because the last thing, that was, like, yes, George played the team game for, for like, and I was crying as well. Do whatever you have to, just prioritise Nicky was so damn cute. Mm. Um but that, whatever about an audition say, there's no way in hell does he say that to Total Wolf on the radio next year. Do whatever you have to to compromise <laughs> me for Lewis. He be, he's more likely to be on the radio going, get Lewis out of my damn way, I'm quicker. <laughs> Which is way more likely. And, you know, they have the guaranteed one and two, I think, in Russell, but he's still an unproven quantity, even though he did beat Valtteri technically in Bahrain last year. But yeah, it's it's... I don't think it'll be announced this year. If whatever happens, it won't be announced mid-season. They might make their decision over the break, but they're not going to announce it mid-season. That's my call. Mm. Well, as I say, I, I, I want Russell to have the seat, and I, mm. I don't want the, I don't want the listeners sitting here thinking, "Oh, what, what's he got against Russell?" I've got nothing, absolutely nothing against Russell. I, I want Russell in that seat. Um, I just think Mercedes are too shrewd to uh to to, to want to rock the boat at this point. Maybe maybe put another one year deal on the uh, on for Bottas. Uh, tell First George to, new regs. yeah, give George the uh, the the last year at, at Williams to really kind of, you know, help the team again. I, it, Russell is still young. He's still very young. He's still able. He's in a, a Formula One seat, so he's not l- losing any kind of experience. He's got that experience. He's plying his trade. He's learning every single week um, from mistakes from a team. So why would why would they rock the boat that's my opinion uh, I, I still think it's going to happen that way um but of course i, I do want to see george there um i just don't think it's going to happen okay well let's is there anyone else that you want to talk about the uh, about in the race we'll go to coops anyone that you want to talk that we have that we've missed talk about uh, that we've missed we've touched on alonso Sainz has done well i mean during the race he actually shouted he actually told the ferrari pit wall no no come on <laughs> uh, and then he made it work. Yeah. Uh, so he could then technically end up in the podium depending on what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did well. Latifi had a great weekend. I mean, he was only a tenth behind uh, George Russell. Beat him on the track. Down some. I mean, he was really good up at the front. It was a bit of a running roadblock, mind you, for him. But I mean, Latifi isn't a bad driver. Mm-hmm. It's just he's in the shadow of somebody like George Russell. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, the only other thing that's not really linked to the race, but uh, Jacques Villeneuve thinks that Stroll will end up in a Mercedes and Bottas will go to Aston Martin. Now, I don't know what Jacques Villeneuve smokes, <laughs> but I really want to try some of that stuff. Uh, I think he realised he hadn't been in the papers much and decided he wanted to say something. Uh, I don't really understand the logic, other than his logic was. Total Wolf is friends with Lawrence Stroll, and Stroll's contract finishes at the end of the year. So <laughs> uh, they'll prefer to have Stroll in a Mercedes. Like, no, if you had Stroll or Bottas, you keep Bottas. Uh, that was interesting. But in, in terms of the race, really, our, our, our team, our kind of the, the Everything F1 team and McLaren, they were out by the time we finished the first corner. Uh, oh, did you see that? Did there. you see that video of uh, Ricardo at the end? It's such a sad video. Uh, it's it's his his onboard camera, and he's he he starts to climb out of the the McLaren, and he just kind of just 
push, pushes his head forward in the in the cockpit and you just see him sat like frozen and just he looks like he's crying to be honest with you he looks like he's so kind of contemplate uh, com- whatever that word is contemplative, <laughs> Con- yeah, contemplative yeah uh, and he just it just looks like he's quite you know he's thinking it, i don't know whether it was the race that he was thinking about or whether it was I Ocon was on the on the podium on the on the top step and that could have been me if I was in that car. I've had a bad year. This is just the the year, you know, doing doing what it's done to me again, yet again. I've had such bad luck. I don't know. It was, I think, I think it was a really sad video anyway. McLaren came out and said that the damage that Ricardo got, it was a good eight tenths or that mm. that he lost. Wow. So you're talking similar kind of the levels of damage to Verstappen's car. Which I'm surprised he actually made round the track. Oh yeah, there's uh, half of it missing of uh, the of whole right hand side car. with all those barsboards were gone and yeah. it was held together by duct tape mm-hmm. uh, and probably by the looks of it, parts of Adam's tinfoil hat. So for him to get into the points, for him to get into the points is amazing. Uh, but. Ricardo, it's just, I think he was spent. I think he was driving a car that's a very tricky car to actually drive and then with bits missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and it's not a great track. To, it's a downforce track and when you don't have downforce, you're, how, you're going to have issues. But yeah, I mean, he's got a good, you know, he's got three weeks to kind of think about it. I think, my, I think I see all these people that were talking recently and I mean, I haven't been on the podcast the last few weeks so I don't know if it's been mentioned since, but thinking that Ricardo's going to get sacked before the end of his contract. No, because McLaren know what type of car they've got. They know it's a tricky car. Mm-hmm. They've always known. And as a few people have said, Norris has only ever driven a McLaren. So he knows the car. Uh, and when a new car comes in, I mean, Carlos Sainz turns around to Ricardo and says, oh, that McLaren's weird, isn't it? You know, uh, it, it's just... They have a very tricky way of working their car. Ricardo still has to work it out. It's going to take a wee bit longer. As and then we'll know. have a, an entirely new car next year. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe that's what he's hoping for. Maybe he can you know, show a wee bit and then next year it's a completely different set of circumstances mm. and we've got a, a slightly better thing. Uh, in terms of the whole, in terms of the season for Verstappen, there's, I mean, there's two, there's two, ways you can look at it. One is COVID's probably going to shorten the season. I doubt we're going to get 23 races, which will help in the term and the fact of the power unit. But Mexico, Brazil are very much Red Bull track. We are not going to Mexico and Brazil this year. No. Uh, or Japan. Bold call. Uh, Japan, Japan have said they're waiting to see how the Olympics work. See what, what the effects of the Olympics have before they make the call on the Japanese race. Uh, so that it's very much on a knife edge. Uh, so, but they are advertising on the F1 experience for a second race in America mm-hmm. for a double header at Circuit uh, of the Americas. I think they're going to call it the Texas Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe we might end up back at Bahrain. It's been touched on that they might go back there, so we might have a squabble again. Uh, so it's. Uh, <laughs> It'll be interesting, but the season's far from done. Six points difference. I don't think Verstappen's going to be overly fussed about that. I think he'll go away, he'll shake it off. He has the faster car. Uh, they did have a lot of balance issues this weekend, though, so hopefully that's just a, a, a track 
issue rather than a terminal problem or a issue issue as it were. Okay, well, uh, Sean, is there any one from the the race that you want to talk talk about that we haven't touched on yet? Um, just while we're finishing off McLaren, I thought Lando Norris's comments were very interesting. Um, in the aftermath of the Bottas moment of stupidity that he said, you know, when yeah. you're racing these guys up the front, you expect more from them. Um, yeah. And he he essentially said they can't race um, <laughs> because they're not used to it and. It's a bit harsh. It was heat of the moment, but there's an element of yeah, he might have been right. I mean that th- those Mercedes don't do well in the pack typically, um, and they do tend to suffer more from dirty air. Not that that's any way excusing what Bottas did. That was just stupid. He just missed the breaking point. Um, mm. But that was a good point. I think if 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 you know there was a bit more parity between all the cars and the the Mercs kind of started from midfield a bit more often. I don't think Bottas would have made that mistake. I think he would have braked sooner. He wouldn't have tried. I think he would have been more aware of the limitations of his car in that kind of pack. So those are interesting comments from Norris. I don't think he was, again, heat of the moment, but I think he had a, a point there. Um, mm-hmm. And just, just in terms of, like, I think, worst team of the day, other than the ones who crashed out of the ones who finished, Alfa Romeo. That was a shocking race for Alfa Romeo. In a race where, um, mm. you know, Williams are about to pick up probably going to hold on to 10 points, I think it is. Um, and Alpha have three. That's a huge gulf. That is such a huge gulf with half the season mm. gone. Um, seven points when they've only scored three after 12 races. Uh, the, the Alpha are in big trouble. And they're, they're lucky that, you know, Sauber are lucky that Alpha Romeo have committed long-term because otherwise I don't think we'd be seeing a Sauber on the grid next year. Um, the really bad result. Both of the drivers got penalties. Mm. Um, that I think Kumi scored a point, or was was just on the edge of the points at the end. He'll he'll get the point if Vettel gets kicked. He'll, in. he'll keep the point if Vettel. Yeah. Um, but even still, so that's that's yeah. a terrible weekend for Alpha. Really. All the all really the teams round Alpha. All the teams round Alpha score points except the Haas. Haas but, you know, yeah, that's the problem. It's just it, it's. Alpha in a very similar situation to Alpha Tauri. Alpha Tauri got points, but then Alpine, you Did know, better. they won. You know, Ferrari done better. Aston Martin done better. Mm. Uh, so it, it was a very bizarre kind of weekend in that respect. Definitely shakes up the midfield because Ferrari are level on points now with McLaren, technically yes. ahead of them, um, which is really interesting because I didn't really think Ferrari would be able to catch McLaren. So lots, kind of extra heaps of pressure on Daniel Ricciardo now for the second half of the season. Um, if they don't, if McLaren don't get third, it's, it's Ricciardo's fault. I completely agree. Unfortunately, as much as I love Daniel Ricciardo, um, I completely agree because this is the first race Lando hasn't finished with the points, and again, it wasn't his fault. He'd have probably been on the podium after all that shenanigans mm-hmm. if uh, if he hadn't been hit. So big pressure, lots of intrigue. You know, I think. There's Formula 1, Formula 1.5, and Formula 1.8, and then Formula 3 was the back ones. But, uh, you know, the the, the midfield battles are going to be brilliant throughout the rest of the season. So that's if that's a positive to come out of the stupidity, like Mercedes and Red Bull are right beside each other. Ferrari and McLaren are level on points. Alpine have taken a big jump over AlphaTauri. Aston have missed those 18 points now for Vettel, probably. Um... Yeah, it, it sets up a very exciting second half of the season. But yeah, bad race for Alfa Romeo. Okay, we'll go to you, Danny. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about from the race weekend? Anyone we've missed that you want to chat about? Um, well, 
touch on um, only team we haven't mentioned really, Alpha Tauri. Um, did all right, yeah, fifth and sixth. Um, I know at one point um, they swapped them round. Uh, mm-hmm. Yuki um, let Gasly past. Uh, there was a few words said, um, <laughs> as Yuki does. However, it wasn't uh, to Yuki level really. And and afterwards, it was uh, <laughs> it was funny speaking to uh, Sky afterwards, and uh, he slipped a, he slipped the f bomb in there, <laughs> which was uh, funny to see. <clears throat> um, but he said, you know. It, it it was funny to watch him because you could tell he stopped before every sentence. So it's was it um, was it Monaco when he went really in on um, his team and just went they are terrible. This car's terrible. This was awful. <laughs> it was all their fault. This is not my fault. You know, with a few uh, swear words in between. I, th- I think um, that was speed. He done that. Because his, that... bro- his car broke down very early on in the race. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've heard we've heard plenty of swear words in pretty much every race, I think. But it's uh, yeah, he sort of stopped before every sentence, thought about what he was saying, and then he he sort of explained. He said, "You know, no, I said what I said when he passed. I didn't have a disagreement with that. Um, what I did um, have a slight issue with with was that he went in front." Uh, and I needed him to speed up because I'm in his dirty air. Uh, you know, if you're going to mm. be in front of me, be in front of me. Don't just stick right in front of me. Yeah. Just go. You know. So he, he said, and he said, you know, at that point, he said, right, I've let you pass. So now, mm, off. <laughs> they were like, uh, right, okay, thank you, right, bye. <laughs> and then it was the apologies. That was Yuki order. There you go. It's, uh, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, it's like having Gunter on. You know, I don't understand how anybody's got him in an interview and not stood there with a the buzzer ready to <laughs> just, just ready. I don't know why that he's even doing. Uh, live interviews really it needs to be a couple of seconds behind so that somebody can uh, complete it yeah but but yeah it's um pretty good weekend from them fifth and sixth it's where they should be um yeah and it's just uh just a good performance really yeah okay well that's pretty much the whole race that we need to talk about i mean there were little bits and bobs that, that happened in between and minutia of details but we will be here all day uh it was a great race uh, can i just probably because can I just touch on one thing? I know I'm interrupting you, but I've just read the notes. And Giovanni got Giovanazzi got a 10 second stop of goal penalty for breaking the speed limit at 105.6 kilometres an hour. Did he even bother hitting the speed limit button? That's like double. What was he doing? So I didn't realise it was that much. I was just checking the notes. I thought, really? Oh, impressive. Is it a hun- is it hundred in the pit lane? Hundred kilometers an hour, or is it eighty? Eighty. It's like eighty or something. Depends on the track. Some, Some of the narrower, older ones are quite small or quite short. But a hundred and five point six. I mean, <laughs> I did think it was harsh that you got a ten second stop go penalty. Never know why. <laughs> so that is. That, so that is all, all, all we got left to talk about uh, for the the Grand Prix. As I say, it was an entertaining race. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed watching it, um, perhaps for different reasons than we expected to um, when we sat down with our cup of tea in front of the race on Sunday. Let's talk about some any of any of the latest news then from around the grid. Uh, Danny, which what item of news has piqued your attention this weekend? This week? Uh, well. Um... Russell's been in the uh, Mercedes 
uh, doing the test for the new tyres. Um, 137 laps in the Mercedes for a tyre test. Do you think this was? Um, uh, do you think this was more than tyre test for a Mercedes? Do you think? It was and more I knew you were going to say that. That's what everybody else has been saying. Uh-huh. Yeah, look at this. It, yeah, go back a couple of weeks. He was washing his Mercedes as well, and everybody said that as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Is it a subliminal message? Yeah. <clears throat> That's exactly what they said. He's washing his Mercedes, and he said, "Look, take care of things you care about." <laughs> He's washing his Mercedes. He's definitely got that. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But there you go. He looks pretty comfortable in there. So. And look, looks good in black. He does, yeah. How about you, Coops? Any any news items that you want to talk about? You want to bring uh, to a, the attention of our fans? Well, the only one that I've just noticed there as I've done a quick Google was that Ferrari have come out and said that Leclerc's engine is irreparably damaged after the stroll incident. So they're now in a situation. Don't know where they're at, but they've already lost one out of three. So they're in a similar situation as... Uh, Red Bull in terms of their engine, which may be good for us as we are all subtly, not so subtly McLaren fans. Uh, you got the saying wrong. It's not so secret. Sean, is there any news that you want to talk about? Um, yes, kind of just touching on what Coop said there. Um, after Ferrari, you know, said that Leclerc's engine is basically irreparable. Um, Benotto said that um, there maybe should start to look at especially under like budget caps and stuff like that where they're limited and you think you know this maybe not the worst idea that the people who caused the crash should at least in part pay for the repairs now tinfoil hat back on it's never going to happen but it's a very interesting point because you think like not to mention it again but Verstappen two weeks ago the mm-hmm. Red Bull claimed that crash cost them 1.8 million pounds which is what, a 20th of their budget just gone for something that was avoidable from one side or the other, was avoidable. Um, wasn't a hundred percent their fault at the very least. And like, how many hundreds of thousands of damage is like a new engine is two hundred or three hundred thousand? Um, for something that was not Charles Leclerc's fault. Um, it's an interesting idea. Um, I don't know how they would. The only thing I I would say that how would they police that? How would they? Oh, so. You know, because yeah, well, that, that, you, you could imagine teams of well, maybe you can tell them that the gearbox was broken as well. Yeah, maybe so, you, maybe you can tell yeah. them that this was broken. Little insurance claim. Here, here's my tinfoil hat going back off. It's not going to happen, but no. it'd be it, it's maybe something to consider even in terms of like the cost limit. Maybe, maybe a fine. Maybe a fine that they could just pay if if it was someone else's fault. You or, you pay that a, a even, set. 100, 100 grand or something. <laughs> even a, even a, a damage allowance. You know, they, they, they were all given like extra allowance on top of the budget cap to do the sprint race and will be again for the next two sprint races. Yeah. So maybe there needs to be a certain sort of leeway for um, unforeseen damages because 145 million, which is going to lower every single year for the next few years, mm-hmm. is in Formula One terms, not a lot of money, especially when you think how much money is going to go into repairing the cars every couple of weeks. So that's something that could be worth considering. Um, and just something that, you know, it wasn't necessarily a, a news story, but something that I was thinking myself, um, Michael Massey, after the um, race was, I think it was like last week or and this week as well, he was quoted as saying that they dole out the penalties based on the incident, not the ensuing car- carnage and damage. Yeah. But that contradicts, you know, historical precedent in 2012. They banned Roman Grosjean for a, for a race because of the damage, not the crash. Mm. 
it was the damage that that crash led to that got, get, garnered him a race, not the initial contact with someone else. If, it, if he was just punished for the contact, he'd have been slapped on the wrist and given a drive or a grid penalty for next year. It was the damage that got him the race ban. So he's literally contradicting past precedent, and they should maybe revisit that because I think it's a really interesting point that, yes, okay, like the initial crash, Valtteri only tipped um, Lando, and the actual crash itself was very minimal. Yeah. But even that, you know, the, the penalties are so, and I know we've said this so many times, they're so inconsistent because how does that warrant a five-place grid penalty, which is a, it's a stern punishment for, you know, if it's just for the collision, that was only a, a love tap, really. You know, yeah. if it was just the two of them, Lando would have spun out, Valtteri would have spun out, and end of it. just happened. But the carnage was huge. But then Lewis Hamilton's given a 10-second penalty because Max Verstappen's in the hospital at 51G. There's no consistency there whatsoever. Mm. If you're like, there should be more of a consideration of the damage done from the crash, not just the crash for all I, crashes for all think, cra- um, incidents. I think that the, the the difference between the two penalties was Bottas is wholly to blame, whereas Hamilton was only partially to blame. So, with Bottas, nobody else is involved. He missed his breaking point and he hit another car, so it's avoidable collision, which is Stewart classed him to be wholly to blame. So he gets the, the quite harsh penalty, same with Stroll. Whereas there was a, you know, I think they put it on like, they could even say it's 70% towards Hamilton, but 30% to Verstappen for the Silverstone mm-hmm. incident. So he doesn't get quite as harsh a penalty. He gets a penalty, but it's not going to be as harsh because he's not wholly to blame, if you follow. So that yeah, no, tends that, to that, be how they tend to work it. That that's somewhat understandable. But again, the, the, it's it's the statement that you know the pe- penalty is given for the initial crash, not the carnage. But in the past, they've that's not given what's been the, the case. Pe- that's, they've given the penalty for the carnage. Well, I think the thing is when Grosjean had done a few beforehand. And then we attempts to kill Fernando Alonso in Spa. <laughs> you kind of have to look at that part and think, <laughs> that's not a good thing. Naughty uh, boy. Uh, so, I, th- I think with that one, I think that was a very exceptional situation because I don't think we've had a race ban for that sort of thing since. Uh, uh, and then, of course, they've changed the system since with the point system and all that kind of carry on, mm. uh, which is wholly not working it's almost like Formula One's version of VAR it's terrible yeah. uh, you know uh, I do think that they should have given Stroll and Bottas more penalty points mm-hmm. because you know did uh, if, I, if I'm right Norris got two penalty points because he missed the pit lane when he should have went into the pit lane yeah. mm-hmm. and then Bottas and Stroll who done what you've just said quite a lot of a damage get two penalty points so maybe that now, needs to be the consideration is okay maybe they've got their grid penalties for the initial crash and it was stupidity and they were wholly to blame fair enough yes but yeah like the, pen- the penalty the points outcome are of the good. incident maybe they should use the penalty points yes I, th- I think that's that's maybe a good a good way of looking at it because yeah you're right yes. how, how is missing the pit lane you know equivalent to taking out five drivers yes <laughs> doesn't make any semblance of sense no. whatsoever and, and the point of the penalty points was to stop the Grosjean type issues and mm-hmm. the, the serious type crashes and stuff, but then they were hitting them with everything else. So potentially give them a racing penalty because it caused issues with racing mm-hmm. and then because of the driving standard was a lot lower than what was expected because, I mean, 
they're supposed to be the top 20 drivers in the world mm-hmm. and he didn't know how to break a car into a first corner Come on, he needs to do better. Yeah, completely you know, agree. Slap him, slap him before. There won't be many drivers that will miss their breaking point if they could get four, you know, four penalty points put on. So mm. maybe they should go down that route. Okay, well, I think we've touched on most things that we want to talk about this week. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to introduce you to a couple of podcast specials that we've got coming up for you this week. Um, with a little snippet from both of them, we've got a an interview with Jamie Chadwick the W Series driver and the Extreme E Series driver. Uh, and of course, we've got a, and also we've got a chat that I've just had with Matt Bishop from the Aston Martin Cognizant F1 team. We'll give you a little snippet of both of those now. Um, so yeah, for, uh, for the listeners that might not know who you are, can you kind of give a brief outline of, of who you are, what you do, and uh, uh, yeah, just a bit about your history? Oh God, so I'm, well, yeah, I guess hopefully um, a lot of your listeners are all F1 fans. So Absolutely. yeah, I'm a, I would say young racing driver, but I'm not actually that young. I'm 23, um, <laughs> British, um, currently in the junior ranks, I'm currently racing in, in W Series, um, been in the series for the past couple of years now, worked my way up. I went into sports cars, uh, British Formula 3, and then now, um, now in W Series. Also a Williams development driver, so the Williams fans out there can appreciate that. Yeah, we're all and, Williams yeah. fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone is at heart. I'm sure they are. Um, and yeah, just working my way way up through the ranks. Oh, hi, Matt. Uh, thank you very much for coming to join us on the Everything F1 podcast. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Can you kind of give a summary of your career to date? Chief Communications Officer, if you want to be precise, oh, actually. Sorry. Forgot um, the chief. <laughs> <laughs> chief Communications Officer. So, yes, uh, I run the comms at uh, Aston Martin Cognizant Formula One team. Um, prior to that, well, uh, in a nutshell, I kicked off 30 years ago, or 25 years ago, probably, as a journalist and editor, F1 Racing, then Autosport, autosport.com. Uh, and then for my sins, I was hired by Ron Dennis to McLaren mm-hmm. as, again, communi- communications director and then chief communications officer there. Those were our two interviews that we've had with Jamie Chadwick and Matt Bishop, the full podcasts with those interviews on will be released later this week with a special one-off for Jamie Chadwick and a special one-off for Matt Bishop. So please make sure you listen to that on your favourite podcast streaming service. That was all we really have to talk about today. Thank you very much for joining me today, lads. Uh, Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Coops. Thanks, Sean. Um... For our fans listening, please make sure you do like us on all our social medias. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We've got a Discord server, uh, and we're at the handle at JoinEF1. And, of course, our website, www.everythingf1.com. All that's left for me to say, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll speak to you soon. And please check out those specials that we're going to release later this week. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.